Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome this morning my friend and yours, Pastor Danman. Thank you, Pastor Seth. Thank you. It is a joy to be together today on the lawn. For those of you who are having a little PTSD, this is like a throwback to COVID days. Fear not. This is not... COVID is not, we're not experiencing a resurgence or anything like that. This is just a little kickoff into the summer months. And we thought, man, what a joy, uh, what an opportunity it is to be able to gather together as one church. We got our 9 a.m. folks and our 10.30 a.m. folks gathering together in worship. And what a delight it is to be gathering in such way. And so welcome. Um, I am not Pastor Aaron. I know it's hard to tell with these sunglasses on. With them off, you might be able to tell, but uh, Pastor Aaron is not able to be with us here today. He, along with a couple of our other pastors, were away at a national conference that happens every two years in our denomination. Uh, and at the end of that trip, uh, Pastor Aaron ha had some other ministry-related trips uh, in his itinerary. And so while he would have loved to be here with us this morning, uh, he's unfortunately unable to be present. But in his stead, I'll be bringing today's message to us, and I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet because we've got a handful of other things that we want to make sure we get to uh, here in the day. And so let's jump right into it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn over with me to the book of Deuteronomy, if you would. The book of Deuteronomy, all the way towards the front end of your Bible, We've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We're going to be in chapter 31 this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're closing out a long stretch of messages that we've been working through over the last several months called Ancient History. And if you've been tracking with us, we've been journeying through the first five books of the Bible, also known as the Pentateuch, Penta, which means five in Greek, Tukos, which is scrolls or books. These are the first five books of the Bible. And these first five books tell a story of a God who called a people to himself. He would raise up a nation unto himself. And through this people, he would use them to fulfill his plans to bring about redemption and restoration for all the world. The problem was, these people were a bunch of knuckleheads. They were a bunch of screw-ups. I mean, I, over and over again, they would, they would miss the mark over and over again. They would fail to uphold the commandments of God and the statutes of God. And time and time again, they would fail and fail. But now the beauty... The beauty, even in this tragedy, is that we see a God who would continually make a way for these people. All throughout, from Genesis, Exodus, all the way to, to Deuteronomy, where we are today, we see a God who would continually make a way for these people. In fact, this is kind of a foreshadow of what is to come in the New Testament when God would send Jesus as the ultimate way maker. Hallelujah. He was sent Jesus to make a way for you and for me once and for all. So listen, no matter how many times we screw it up, <laughs> no matter how many times we miss the mark, no matter how many times we fall short of the glory of God in Christ Jesus, there's always a way back home. Can someone say amen this morning? There's always a way back home. There's always a way back to the Father for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And so part of God making a way for the ancient people of God was by bringing them up out of Egyptian slavery, Exodus. And God would take them through, we'll call it the scenic route, through the wilderness, right? Numbers, right? Leviticus and all these. And, and, and God would give them the commandments of God. And, and God would ultimately bring them to this point that we are today, where God would ultimately lead them into the promised land, 
a land, as we find in Scripture, a land flowing with milk and honey, with the blessings of God, with the promises of heaven, a land where they will no longer, the people of God will no longer be bound by slavery and by chains, but where they can finally root themselves and establish themselves as God's holy people. And this is where we pick up the story at the end of Deuteronomy, right before God's people are about to cross over into the promised land. And so meet me at Deuteronomy chapter 31, starting at verse 1. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version this morning, but go ahead and follow along with whatever version of the Bible you have in front of you. But pick me up at Deuteronomy 31, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what it says. So Moses continued to speak these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Verse six, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua, and he said to him, in the sight of all of Israel, he says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. The central theme for my message today is summed up in these three simple words, pass the baton. In fact, would you say those three words with me this morning? Say it with me, pass the baton. If you're sitting next to someone, would you turn to them and encourage them? Tell them, hey friend, pass the baton. Go ahead and turn to the neighbor, tell them, pass the baton, pass the baton. And in case the person on the other side feels left out, turn to them and tell them, hey friend, you too, pass the baton. Pass the baton. That's right. Church family, listen. If today's passage teaches us anything, it is that we must learn to be a people who pass the baton well. Because here's the truth of the matter, and you already know this, but let this serve as a helpful reminder for every living soul here on this lawn this morning. You will not be around forever. You know this. You will not be around for it. Now, listen, I don't mean to get real dark on a beautiful day like this today. and real, like, but, but the truth of the matter remains. What it means to be human is that we will not be around forever. And that's essentially what Moses is saying in the opening verses of today's passage. He says, look, guys, I'm 120 years old. My back hurts. My knees are aching. My eyes are going. My, I, can't, I can't hear real well. I'm I can no longer go out and come in. I, I'm not able to. In other words, guys, I don't have much more time here on earth. In fact, my, my time is dwindling quickly to a close. Now, listen, church, I, I know that there's no one here that's uh, 120 years old today. As far as I know, right? No 120-year-olds joining us today, right? I, I, I know that that's the case, 
But the truth still remains, friends. You and I, no matter whether you're 120 or 20 or two, we are all living on borrowed time right now. We will not be around forever. And the question that hangs in the balance is, will you pass the baton well? In fact, that's the conversation that I often have with graduating seniors at ACF, with, with, with seniors that are, are, are leaving Penn State. I say to them, hey, before you go off to bigger and better things, before you go off into adulthood and all these things, I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, am I passing the baton well? In other words, am I leaving a legacy that is worthwhile? In fact, I remember a, a Penn State faculty member, he, he would often tell me how he op opened up his class at the start of every year. He would look out at a, a brand new crop of students and on his first class, he would ask them to close their eyes and he would ask them to picture their tombstone. Talk about getting dark real quick, right? Hey, welcome to a brand new year. Now go ahead and picture your death for a moment, right? Picture your tombstone. And he asked him, as you visualize your tombstone, what kinds of words would you want inscribed on that tombstone? Now we've heard some version, some iteration, I'm sure of this kind of exercise. Well, what do you want said at your funeral? What do you want your eulogy to be like? And this professor would get up in front of his class and he would say, I want you to think about this. In other words, how do you want to be remembered in this life? What kind of person do you want to be remembered as? What sort of impact do you want to leave behind in this world? By the way, you don't need to be a college student to consider these questions. You don't need to be 120 years old to consider these questions. As long as you are alive and you have breath in your lungs on this side of heaven, it would be worthwhile for you to consider what kind of legacy would God call me to leave behind? If the truth remains, we are not around forever. The question is, will you pass the baton well? And so then he would lead this class to this young adults through this quick little exercise and he would ask them to open your eyes and he would say to them, now live your life with that inscription in mind. Live this next semester, make decisions in this next semester according to those words. And in some ways, that's precisely what Moses is doing with young Joshua here in today's passage. I'm sure there's no mention of tombstones. There's no mental visual exercise that Moses leads Joshua through. But here's this seasoned veteran in the faith coming alongside a young leader like Joshua, and he says to him, hey, Joshua, I want you to live according to these words. I want you to live. I want you to lead these people according to these ways. You see, what Moses is doing here is he is doing exactly what we're talking about this morning. He is passing the baton well. But how exactly is he doing that? How is Moses passing the baton here to Joshua? Well, I, let me suggest a, a few quick things here this morning. The first thing he does Moses embraces the next season. Moses embraces the next season. But listen now, Moses doesn't just embrace the next season in the general, in this sort of vague sort of way. I want you to get this. Moses embraces the next season knowing full well he will not be a part of what God is doing in the next season. Oh, we all love when God is moving in our generation, amen? We all love when God shows up in our midst. 
But Moses here right now is called to embrace what God is doing next, even if he will not be a part of what God is doing next. At the end of verse two, God clearly told Moses, you shall not go over this Jordan. I'll say, if if I were Moses, I'm not leaping with joy at this point. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm Moses, like I'm not, I might be a little grumpy at best, perhaps deeply resentful at worst. I mean, if I'm Moses, I'm thinking like, we're here. We're here. Like, it's like, we're, this is, this is what we've been working towards. This is the championship game. Like the promised land is right there. I can taste the milk and honey on my lips, right? Like we're, and, and I, God, I led, I led your people up until this point. And you're telling me now I got to hand the reins over to Joshua and I don't even get to read the benefits of the land flowing with milk and honey of the land that you promised. What Moses could have easily done at this point was abandon the plan, check out completely, disengage entirely, and oh, how often I do that. It could have been so easy for Moses to say, if I'm not going in, I'm out. If you're not gonna bring me in, I'm out. But Moses doesn't do that. He doesn't resent the fact that God's not taking him into the promised land. Rather, he becomes Joshua's biggest cheerleader. He embraces the next season, even if he doesn't get to be a part of it, because that's what it looks like to pass the baton well. It's understanding that though we will not be around forever, the work of the Lord endures through all generations. Amen? You and I might not be around forever, but the work of the Lord is everlasting and endorsed through all generations. And so that means even if I'm not part of what God is doing next, I can cheer on now for what God wants to do next. Moses embraces the next season. And oh, church, may we be a people that embrace what God is doing next and not just what he's doing now. But the second thing that Moses does is he recalls God's faithfulness. Moses recalls God's faithfulness. From verses three through six, Moses goes into great detail of how God will hand over the nations to Israel. He goes into all this detail, right? Like, I, I won't reread it, but, but it's, it's there in your Bibles, how God would conquer all kinds of kings and rulers and hand the victory over to the people of God. Now, how in the world would Moses be able to speak with any sense of confidence on such things? It's not, it's not like Moses has got a crystal ball in front of him. How does he know that this is how it's all going to pan out? He knows because Moses has lived a lifetime of witnessing God's faithfulness in his life over and over and over again. And on this Sunday, as we are gathered across generations, from our 9 a.m. folks, our 10.30 a.m. folks, from children to all the way to our seniors, our prime timers, On this Sunday, as we are gathered across generations, I know, I personally know that there are some of you, many of you who have lived a lifetime of witnessing God's faithfulness in your lives. Your story tells of his story of how how faithful of a God we have and the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. Can I just lean into you this morning for just a moment? If that's you, if that's you, Can I just press into you and tell you, you need to tell those stories. You need to tell those stories. 
The generations that are coming up behind you cannot afford for you to remain silent on the faithfulness of God. The generations that are coming up behind you cannot afford for you to archive God's work and his faithfulness and his stories in the attic of your soul. Those stories need to see the light of day. You need to tell those stories because we need to hear those stories. The reason why Moses says all these things to Joshua is to attest and testify to the faithfulness of God so that when Joshua begins to question when young Joshua in his leadership and his growing leadership begins to stumble and fall, he can have a whole generation behind him echoing over and over again, God is faithful. He will never fail you. He will never disappoint you. He will go with you all the days of your life. And so friends, friends, can I just say, we need to hear those kinds of stories. Because that's what it means to pass the baton well. As the psalmist says in Psalm 145, one generation shall commend your works to another and they shall declare your mighty acts. So church, once again, may we be a people who commend God's works and declare his mighty acts across generations. Moses does just that. He recalls God's faithfulness. And then lastly, Moses declares words of truth and hope. Moses declares words of truth and hope. I love the words that Moses speaks over Joshua and the company of all the people of Israel in verse seven and proceeding. Moses gathers the people together and in the company of all the people, he says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. In other words, be full of hope, Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. And here are some words of truth now. In verse 8, it is the Lord who goes before you. Oh, church, it would do us well to wake up every morning and remind us of these truth statements. As I go this day, it is the Lord who goes before me. It is the living, sovereign, almighty God who goes before me. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed. Again, words of hope. State College Alliance Church family, part of passing the baton well means that we speak words of truth, words of hope, words of life, over the next generation. I can't tell you how many times I've heard one generation bemoan another generation. Boomers would say that Gen Xers are too radical and unstable. Gen Xers look at millennials as too entitled and lazy. Millennials look at Gen Z as shallow and superficial and the verdict's still out on the current generation known as Generation Alpha. But the truth remains, I'm sure we have all heard one generation say of another things like, this generation, they're doomed. <laughs> this generation is hopeless. This generation is destined for decay. Maybe we have even uttered those same sentiments with our own lips. Now, you wanna know who maybe had some grounds to feel some type of way about the next generation, the rising generation? It was Moses. It was Moses. Moses had so many reasons to grow cynical at his old age. 
You know, like he had so many good, it, it would have been so easy to turn to Joshua in this moment in the company of all of Israel, right? It's this real like holy, like Lion King moment, right? Like King, on, on Pride Rock, he gets up and he sees, he's, he's, he's with Joshua in front of all of Israel. It would have been real easy to turn to Joshua and be like, Joshua, these, see these stubborn, <laughs> stiff-necked people? Let me, let me tell you something, Joshua. They don't listen real well, okay? They, they grumble a lot. They gripe a lot, okay? And, and, and you got to keep your eye on them because if you don't, if you happen to go off for a little bit, don't be surprised to return to them worshiping a golden calf or something. You know, like, don't, don't be surprised by that. But listen, buddy, they're your problem now. <laughs> have fun. Have at it, right? That's not what he says. His parting words were full of hope. They were full of truth. He says, Joshua, hey, be strong. Be courageous. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Don't be in dread for the Lord. Your God is with you. God is the one. Yahweh, Jehovah is the one who goes before you. He will lead you forward and he will lead you on. Church family, let me ask you, what would it look like for an entire generation to speak prophetically over another generation, words of life and hope and truth. One of the things that I see over and over again, especially working with college students on a campus like Penn State, is you're not gonna find a shortage of lies that surface up that are embraced as truth. Over and over, like, and it's not just the current climate, it is the specialty of the enemy of our soul. He will come and he is the father of lies. He is the deceiver of our souls. And what he loves to do is present to us what seems like truth and their lies. And we, we have a, a whole generation of people that are flooded with lies after lies after lies. And I can't tell you how many times I sat across a student at Irving's, at Panera, over a cup of coffee, and they're sharing what they think is truth, and I'm hearing lie after lie after lie. I'm seeing the, the hand of the enemy at work in their lives. What would it look like for an entire generation who has seen the faithfulness of God, who has seen the goodness of God, who has seen the truth of God manifest in their lives, what would it look like for that generation to speak prophetically over the next rising generations and speak words of truth, words of hope, words of life? What would it look like for one generation to speak in such a way instead of pointing out all the ways that this next generation is screwing up everything that the previous generation had set up? Now, let's be clear. No generation is perfect. No gener every generation has its flaws and their shortcomings. Even if you feel a great sense of pride being part of your generation, your generation is not perfect. No generation is. But I also believe that God has his hand on every generation. And I wonder if there are some of us who truly believe that. I wonder if there are some of us who believe that God has his hand on every generation. And so let me ask you again, church, would we be a people, oh, church, would we be a people who call out the hand of God and the blessings of God on every generation and speak words of truth and hope? Because that's what it looks like to pass the baton well. 
Embrace the next season. Even if you're not going to be a part of it, embrace the next season. Recall God's faithfulness and tell the stories of God's goodness from one generation to another. Declare words of truth and hope. By the way, would you know that Moses continues to do these three things into the final chapters of Deuteronomy? If you journey through, and we won't do that here this morning for the sake of time, but if you just journey through the, the last final chapters of Deuteronomy, you'll see that Moses continues to embrace the next season and celebrate the next thing that God is doing in the next generation. He continues to recall God's faithfulness and continues to bang on that drum until it's deafening to the people of God. God is faithful. He is good. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He continues to bang that drum and he continues to declare and utter words of truth and hope and life to the rising generation. In fact, if you fast forward all the way to the end in chapter 34, the last, in verse 10, it says this, and there has, there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel quite like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Let me just read that one more time. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Talk about a legacy, man. I, I mean, I, I'd be pretty happy if that was written on my tombstone. Dan was a guy who knew the Lord face to face. You, you, were, you were a person who knew the Lord face to face. You know why he was able to be recognized as such? Moses wasn't perfect. We, we already established that plenty of times throughout the series, right? The reason why he was able to be recognized as such, the reason why that inscription is on his tombstone is because he, somewhere along the journey, learned to pass the baton well. And the story of God's faithfulness echoes even to this day on this lawn today. Why? Because, because Moses did what we just talked about. He embraced the next season. He recalled God's faithfulness and he was a person who declared the words of truth and hope and life to the generations coming up behind him. Church family, may the story of this family of believers be one where we figured out how to pass the baton well into the next generation and beyond. Uh, we already did a, a little bit of that even here this morning as we recognized our rising and graduating students. We prayed for them. We blessed them. I mean, that's part of what it means to pass the baton well. I mean, look around. Like, we got, we got kids. And, and parents, let me commend your kids. Your kids have been exceptional. You know, like this, being outside here, be, you know, tempted by a playground there. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here, mom, dad. Like, uh, let me commend you. Parents, you're doing a fine job, Okay fine job but but as we look out again look i mean this is this is our church this is the family of god right here can we be a people that look across this lawn and say i want to be part of, of of living the story of god well i want to be part of that story where where i was known as a generation that said hey Here's the baton. I'm passing the torch to you. May God do abundantly, exceedingly more than I could ever ask for or imagine in my generation. May you do it in yours. May you do it in yours. 
In fact, I'd love to pray for that here this morning. So would you bow with me? Let me just pray that would be the story of our church family here. Oh God, oh God, we come to you, Lord, humbly, but also eagerly and expectantly and so longing and desiring for you to do this work amongst us. Lord, I, I don't want the story of my life to be, I just lived my life and got to the finish line. I reached 120 years and, and I just kind of, I phoned it in. I just, I, just, I, just, I just crossed the finish, I just sort of stumbled across. I don't, I don't want that to be the story of my life. I don't want that to be the story of our church's life. I don't want that to be the story of my brothers and sisters' lives here this morning. I want the story of this family's story, this church family's story, this community of believers to be one where we said, oh, God is doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? And I want to be on the front lines of being the biggest cheerleader of what God is doing next and what God is doing in the next generation, even if I'm not going to be a part of it. I want to be on the front lines and say, yes, God, bring it on. I want to be the kind of, of community, that the kind, I want to be part of a church where it is normal practice to recall the faithfulness of God. I want to be part of a community of believers where it is the norm to just utter and profess God's goodness. And oh Lord, if there are folks here today that have lived a lifetime of seeing the faithfulness of God manifest and unfold, oh God, would you cause those stories to bubble to the surface to the point where we can't help but speak of what we have seen and heard. Oh God, may we be a people that recall your faithfulness and your goodness to the generations coming up behind us. And, 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 and real quick, high schoolers, college students, elementary age, you may not have lived a lifetime of witnessing God's faithfulness in the ways that a 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 80-year-old might have. But I want you to know, God is writing a story even, even in your life. God is showing himself to be faithful and true even in your life. And some of your lives, even in the short amount of time you've been here on earth, tells of that story. And I want to tell you, you have every right to attest and testify to the faithfulness of God. In fact, I want to encourage you and press into you and lean into you. Tell the story of God's faithfulness and his goodness to your friends, to your peers to the people that you go to school with. If God is doing a work in your life, I want you to know that's never meant to be just kept in for ourselves and archived into the filing cabinet of our lives. It is to be told and shared. Oh God, cause us to be a people of multi-generation that tell the story of God's faithfulness 
And at the end of the day, Lord, in a world where we are flooded with lies, lies of the enemy of our soul, Lord, may we be a people who speak prophetically words of truth, words of life, words of hope. Let me say it again, church. No generation is perfect, but God has his hand on every generation. And our job is to look at the generation that is coming up behind us and not to point out all the wrongs of the generation, but our job as a people of faith is to point out all the places we see the hand of God at work in that generation. To call that forth and to call that out. The same way that Moses did with Joshua. Be strong, Joshua. Be courageous. For the Lord is with you. He is the one who goes before you. May we be a people that declare words of truth and hope here this morning. And so God, we're gonna celebrate here in just a few moments people who have encountered your words of truth in a very personal way as, we, as they take steps of faith into the waters of baptism. And God, we wanna celebrate all of that in the spirit of celebration, celebrating God, what you're doing next in the next generation and all these things. Lord, we wanna keep that spirit of celebration going here this morning by celebrating new life in you, Jesus by celebrating people who are, who are deciding to go public with their faith. And so God, may we be a church that stands alongside them in this way. And again, is on the front lines of being their number one cheerleader. And so God, we look to you for all these things. And it's a strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.